0: Ephesians chapter 2. Now, before I read the passage that we're going to look at, I want to read the first few verses at the start of chapter 2. The Apostle Paul is writing to a church in Ephesus on the west coast of modern-day Turkey, and this is what he says at the start of Ephesians chapter 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, And of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of God's wrath. So the Apostle Paul says that the Ephesians were dead in their sins, disobedient, and deserving God's wrath. God's wrath here means his his permanent anger towards sin, his his settled uh, opposition towards sin. Now that is a damning description, isn't it? Dead in your sins, disobedient, deserving of wrath. What a hopeless situation the Ephesians were in. By the looks of it, there is no way out for them. And yet the interesting thing is, in chapter 1, when the Apostle Paul first starts writing to the Ephesians, that's not how he addresses them. In chapter 1, he calls the Ephesians holy and blameless in God's sight, adopted as sons, and God's possession. And so the question is, how do you go from dead in your sins, disobedient, deserving of death, to holy and blameless in God's sight, adopted as sons, and God's possession? How do you go from being separated from God because of your sin to becoming adopted by him? Well, this is where our verses tonight help us. Let's read Ephesians chapter 2, 4 and 5, the next two verses. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. Just as we saw with Owen last time, when the word but appears often in the New Testament, it represents a real turning point And that is what we've got here, from being deserving of God's wrath, in verse 3, to being saved by God's grace. That is what happened to Ephesians. And for the next few minutes, we're going to think about what it means to be saved by God's grace, what is involved, what is involved in salvation. So notice, firstly, that it starts with God's great love. Verse 4 begins, but because of his great love for us, that is the starting point for salvation. Everything that God does in these verses is based on the fact that God has great love for us. If we've got any doubts about that, uh, then we just need to remind ourselves of probably the most famous verse in the whole of Scripture, John 3:16. for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So because of God's great love for us, he sent his Son, his one and only Son, his sinless son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die in our place for our sins. The starting point of salvation is God's great love. Now, this is very different to how the world thinks, isn't it? When it comes to being safe when you die, many people don't start with God. They start with themselves. They think they'll be fine when they die because of all the good things that they've done. They hope by the time that they die, they've got enough karma credits to get them into heaven or whatever afterlife it is that they believe in. They're banking on their own goodness. And in reality, this is a miserable existence because you can never be certain about whether what you've done is good enough. But if you understand that the starting point of salvation is God's great love for you, it changes everything. You stop relying on your own efforts and rely instead on God's great love. So salvation involves God's great love. That's the first point. But notice, secondly, that it involves God's rich mercy. Look at verse four again with me. God's great love makes him rich in mercy. Now, my Bible dictionary describes mercy as compassion to one in need of helpless distress. And those of us here who are Christians tonight, that, that, that was us. We were in need, we were in helpless distress. And because of God's great love, he's rich in mercy. That is what God is like. And Why did we need this rich mercy again what we just said at the start we were dead in our sins we're disobedient and we're deserving of god's wrath god's great love for us sinners makes them rich in mercy it makes them filled with compassion to us who are helpless and in distress and where is this rich mercy best seen where do we best see god's compassion for those who are in helpless distress well it's at the cross where God shows his mercy to us by sending his own son to the cross instead of us, by putting all our sin on him instead of us. That is where we best see God's mercy. If you're here tonight and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, then we would love to talk to you about God's mercy. Each Christian here who has received it really wants to see more people come to know it, more people to come to know and experience God's forgiveness to experience what God did for us at the cross. And so there'll be people here afterwards that you can pray with or people here milling around afterwards that you can talk to. So we've seen that salvation involves God's great love and his rich mercy. Now the third thing that we see about salvation in this passage is that it involves being made alive with Christ. Look at verse five. It says, God made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. Made alive in Christ is a a beautiful expression for the Christian. Paul is applying what happened to Jesus to us. In the same way that Jesus was made alive after three days in the tomb, so we are made alive with Jesus when we put our trust in him. There is union here between the believer and the Lord Jesus. And in the present, what this means for us is that we have a new mind. That's what chapter 4 will tell us. We'll have a new identity and a new ability to be free from the control of Satan. And in the future, this means that we'll be raised with Jesus when he returns to judge the world. In other words, what can be said of Jesus Christ can also be said of us as we are made alive in him. But notice with me, when God made us alive with Christ, look at verse 5 again it says that it was when we were dead in our sins, dead in our transgressions, sorry. Transgressions is a, a big word, but we saw it before a couple of verses ago when Paul says it's the way that the Ephesians used to live when they followed the ways of this world, when they followed Satan. So transgressions is going against God's ways, going against his commands, following the world and following Satan instead. And Paul says to Christians that this is what we were like before God made us. Alive in Christ there was nothing attractive about us nothing to endear us to God nothing to make God want to love us instead it's all of his grace that we've been made alive with Christ and this takes away any room for boasting doesn't it none of us came to Jesus Christ because of uh, being more spiritual spiritual, or more knowledgeable uh, or because we understood stuff that other people didn't or because somehow we were a bit closer to God to start with or had better circumstances, or or better parents. The truth is that each and every single one of us are the people described in Ephesians 2. It it doesn't say that some of us were like this. No, um, if you look at verse three, it says all of us were like this. Dead in our sins, disobedient, deserving of wrath. That is what we were, and it was at that point that God made us alive in Christ. And that is by far the best news that anyone could possibly hear. So let me summarize just what we've said about these couple of verses. What does salvation involve? It involves the great love of God. It involves God's rich mercy, and it involves being made alive in Christ. So how do these things help us to pray? Well, let's use the language of the passage as we come to pray shortly. God's great love, His rich mercy, and His saving grace are great truths that we can focus our prayers on. If you're a Christian, we can thank God for his great love. A love so great that he sent his son into the world to save sinners like you and like me. Maybe some of us need to confess that at this point in time, we're taking this love for granted. And we're not living the way God would want us to. Pray that we would stop cheapening God's great love um, as we come to pray. We can also thank God for his rich mercy. Our holy God who said that he would punish sin and execute justice has been merciful to us sinners uh, who are dead in our sins and unable to save ourselves by sending his perfect son the Lord Jesus to die in our place that is something that we can give thanks for shortly and pray that God's saving grace would be seen more widely in our families and in our streets and in our workplaces and in this city and further afield pray that people who are currently dead in their transgressions would be made alive in Christ So these are just a few thoughts on this passage and a few thoughts to help us to come to pray, which we'll do now.